In the fog of war in Gaza and Ukraine, has the world lost sight of the unfolding humanitarian crisis in Myanmar? More than 1.6 million Rohingya Muslims have been forced from their country. They're now scattered throughout Asia. Australia and Indonesia are partners in a new system. It's designed to help displaced people in the region. But are we meeting our obligations? Jessica Marsh is an Australian human rights lawyer and consultant. She worked recently with the International Refugee Assistance Project. The reality is fairly dire. While Bangladesh should be acknowledged for hosting a very large number of Rohingya for several years now, the situation unfortunately on the ground is is not great. There's close to one million in the camps. There's escalating armed violence in the camps. Rohingya have very limited or no access to livelihood opportunities and education. More recently, we've seen severe funding shortfalls in the humanitarian response, so of $918 million required to support the response to such a large number of displaced people. Only 40% of that has been funded. We've seen global attention turning elsewhere as other crises unfold around the world. This has had really dramatic impacts on Rohingya in the camps. For example, a few months ago, the World Food Program reduced food rations to just $8 US a month per person, which, as you can imagine, is is not much in a context where there's already severe malnutrition among children and others. And we also have the impacts of climate change increasingly affecting Bangladesh and the Cox's Bazaar region in particular. Yeah, well, just as I say, to remind people in concrete terms, that's $2 US a week per person for food rations. How far would that go? Not far, not far at all. People were already very stretched. And and as you can imagine, if people don't have the access to work, they are entirely reliant on humanitarian assistance and all humanitarian programs are having to cut their budgets significantly as uh, international attention turns elsewhere and funding goes elsewhere. So things are very difficult for people in the camps. Mm. We're particularly interested in this program and have been for a long time about the scourge of modern slavery and human trafficking. I noticed in your piece for the Lowy and Interpreter, and we'll put a link to that piece at our website. You're quite concerned about the potential for human trafficking in these camps. Is it already happening? Yes, there is evidence that it is happening. My piece was based on earlier research with the Danish Refugee Council and a project called the Protecting Rohingya Refugees in Asia Project, which is a consortium project. Um, I'm speaking in my personal capacity as as an independent consultant, not on behalf of those organisations. We've definitely seen the risk of exploitation, including human trafficking from the camps, has increased significantly. And people obviously are desperate if they don't have access to any opportunities in the camps, they are going to be looking elsewhere, which makes it a ripe, I guess, recruitment ground for both smugglers and traffickers and and those who are looking to exploit people who are vulnerable. We've seen irregular maritime movement across the region. That might not necessarily be trafficking. It might be people choosing the best option available to them, which might be a dangerous boat journey to try to find opportunity and the ability to live uh, Mm. elsewhere in the region. But certainly the conditions are very ripe for exploitation such as trafficking. Australia is a near neighbour of Myanmar, Burma. What are we doing? We have committed to uh, greater leadership on regional refugee issues under the ALP platform. And we're seeing some you know, movement there under the current government. But I think there's a lot 
of scope to increase our leadership in this space. And I highlighted a number of different opportunities, sort of timely opportunities for Australia to really show leadership on this issue. I think if we look globally at numbers, we've seen recently an all-time high in history. UNHCR estimated that there's now over 110 million forcibly displaced people globally. Mm. When we look at refugee resettlement, generally there's only a very small number of people who are able to access resettlement. Currently this year, the projected needs in Asia Pacific are around 400,000 people are in need of resettlement. And that represents the people who are most in need who are extremely vulnerable. So it's only a very small fraction of the the people who are displaced who still need protection and and opportunities to to have a better life. Yeah, What sort of numbers, though, would Australia have to take to make a meaningful dent in this refugee crisis of, of the Rohingya? There's welcome news that we recently increased our intake for our annual humanitarian program from 17,875 places to 20,000 places a year. So that's welcome, the increase. It's not enough, though. Um, Obviously, if we've got 400,000 people representing the most in need, that's a small fraction of refugees in the region, 20,000 is not much. And there aren't many countries within this region who are signatories to the Refugee Convention and who do take refugees under resettlement programs. Most of the neighbouring countries around Bangladesh don't have any formal refugee law and there's no formal protection. There's a few countries, Thailand and Indonesia, that have fairly nascent refugee laws, but refugee protection across the region is there's not much formal protection mm. happening apart from through UNHCR and humanitarian bodies there's a lot of room for australia to both to improve regional protection through working with our partners across the region and and advocating for improved conditions in countries like India, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, but also to take more. We have the capacity and the resources to take many more, not only through resettlement pathways, but also complementary pathways like education, labour mobility and family reunion pathways. Yeah, well, Um, I guess what I was going to say, though, Jessica, is that if the government balks at taking more refugees, is that the end of the story for Australia in addressing this problem? In terms of other opportunities for Australia to take action, the complementary pathways, there's, there's a couple of pilot programs that the government, the current government has committed to the Community Refugee Integration and Settlement Pilot, CRISP, is uh, where community members can sponsor people to come to Australia and provide support to them. I think there's 1,500 refugees over four years that will be coming through that pilot program. Mm. Quite similar to Canada, I think, in that uh, regard. Yes, yeah, and it's a really great program that's got a lot of potential to scale up and expand. Um, That's currently part of our 20,000 places per year, but what a lot of people are advocating for is the principle of additionality, so to make that additional to the government-sponsored resettlement places because it's funded largely by community. And we also have the Skilled Refugee Labour Agreement pilot program, which is a a labour mobility program that looks at people who have skills to offer that are needed in Australia where um, employers can sponsor people on work visas to come to Australia. And there's about 500 coming from 2023 to 2025, and there's huge potential to scale that up as well, which would increase the type of pathways and the numbers of people who can can access pathways to Australia and then contribute to Australia and, and also start to rebuild their lives. 
Jessica Marsh, she's a refugee and human rights lawyer and also a consultant. Uh, You can read her piece in The Lowy Interpreter. We'll put a link to that. Jessica, thanks for joining us on the Religion and Ethics Report. Thank you, Andrew. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.